Welcome to Women with an Effed Up Mind, a podcast by women, for women, and yes, men, we see you too. I'm your host, Miss J, and we're about raising awareness for sexual assault, sexual harassment, domestic violence, and the lack of mental health help in our military. I hope you guys are ready because we're not about just raising awareness. We're also about doing the damn thing. So let's go. Welcome back to our segment of Effed Up Friday. So today's episode is a little different, uh, but here lately it's something I've just, I've been doing because, you know, fuck it, that's how we roll. So today I brought somebody on that he, he was doing the damn thing. He is somebody that was going against the stigma and trying to help out with the issue of sexual assaults. His name is Adam Dorito. He's the host of Dark Saber Podcast. He is a prior Air Force Academy cadet, and he went in in 2006, was discharged 30 days after graduation for being falsely accused of fraternization with a subordinate. And he was retaliated for discovering and reporting a high-level sexual assault by commands. There was 30 perpetrators of rape. And if you want to Google it, because, you know, that's just your thing, just Google Operation Gridiron. And that's why I brought Adam here to tell his story, because one of the biggest things is that I preach is doing the damn thing. So welcome. Thanks for bringing me on, Jay Marie. I really appreciate you and your advocacy for these types of things. Yes. And I appreciate you for you coming on and sharing your different type of story than what I normally have. So. So what? Okay, we'll just kind of get vague and then just kind of dive right into it. So. You were an Air Force Academy cadet, and I know that was like your dream thing to do because you were super fucking patriotic. I mean, now you're serving in the Colorado Army National Guard as a paratrooper. Like, you're still fucking killing it even after what they did to you. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I was a GWAT baby, so to speak. So they, that's what they call my generation of older fucks where, you know, I grew up in New Jersey. I was born in New York. I saw the towers burn and collapse. I lost family in 9-11. So me joining the military took a personal effect. I've lost several friends over the years during the past 20 years. And for me, serving my country and defending constitutional rights of everyone has always been uh, not only just a mindset, but values that I've lived by. And I always wanted to go into the Air Force Academy since I was 12. I wanted to fly jets. I wanted to fly fighter jets. That was my goal. And ironically... You know, when I showed up to the Air Force Academy, you know, I realized that not a lot of people are there for the right reasons. And I'm sure from the enlisted perspective, people understand, like, they hate academy grads. I mean, there's a few good ones out there. Don't get me wrong, but I understand the stigma from that point. Um, Some of them are to play sports. Some of them are because their dads and moms were grads and they were like their third or fourth choice. For me, I went there because I wanted to serve my country and be a commissioned officer and lead lower enlisted. And you know, there's some people there for the right reasons. Some people weren't. But I realized about two years in that I no longer wanted to be in the Air Force, but I was already committed. And when you go to a federal service academy, you owe five years of active duty service. So I couldn't just leave the Air Force, but I didn't want to be a part of the Air Force anymore. So I elected to cross commission into the United States Marine Corps. So in, uh-huh. 2000, <laughs> so in 2009, I opted to go to Marine Officer Candidate School in Quantico instead of taking leave. And Please tell me your experience because I was listening to the Carry On podcast. Oh boy! Please talk about your experience while you were there with the Marine Corps because I was cracking up 
fucking laughing listening to that story. I so I have a, I have a couple great stories from Marino CS because uh, they literally beat the Air Force out of me. And <laughs> keep in mind, when I went to Marino CS, I'm already going into my last year at the Academy. So I went my junior summer going into my senior year. So I think I'm like top dog at the Air Force Academy. I already got my ring. I only have to do two more semesters of school. And I show up at Marino CS thinking like, oh, this is another training environment. Holy shit. Now I showed up in khakis <laughs> and a polo and my life was over the second I stepped foot on Brownfield. So I'll never forget like day one. It was like a scene out of like full metal jacket, man. I'm not, I'm not even making this up. And for you Marines, like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So we're in the <laughs> squad base and they're going down the line. And at Marino CS, pretty much everyone who goes to Marino CS is either prior enlisted or Navy ROTC. And maybe a few Naval Academy grads if they're not doing Leatherneck, which is like a two-week development program or whatever. So I was like the one Air Force guy that was there. And I'm trying to be the gray man. Like I'm trying to just keep my mouth shut and not say dumb shit. But I was kind of a smart ass. So they're going around the whole squad bay. And, you know, these gunnery sergeants, like 24-inch biceps. Gunnery Sergeant Luciana. Like I'll never forget these people's names. Like they're the only <clears throat> basic training people I've ever dealt with where – I remember every single one of their fucking names. Gunner Sergeant Edwards, Gunner Sergeant Luciano, Gunner Sergeant Clay, and Gunner Sergeant Alessio. And they get up to me with Captain Cox, who's our platoon commander. And you had to go around the room and say your major and the school that you were going to. So I'm really trying not to say that I go to the Air Force Academy because I know it's not going to end up well for me. So I'm like, this candidate's name is Dorito, you know, behavioral science, human factors, engineering. Yusafa. And they're like, what the fuck is Yusafa? <laughs> and I'm like, the University of Science and Fine Arts Academy. Oh, and, no. <laughs> and and Gunnery Sergeant Clay, who I didn't know this until later on, but he's also a unknown artist on like SoundCloud or some shit, like rapper artist. And he like is spelling things out because that's what Marines do because they eat crayons. And he's like, <laughs> U-S-A-F. Wait a minute. Air Force, and he just takes my <laughs> fucking footlocker and drop kicks it out the deck, off the deck, and like outside in the mud. And that was my first experience at Marino CS. So instantaneously, like you're a squad leader. I'm like, I don't even know what a squad leader is. Like, we don't use guns in the Air Force. Like, I don't even, like, I could barely <laughs> march. You know what I mean? I know nothing about infantry tactics, five paragraph order, like, none of that shit. So, I thought I was going to get kicked out because every single week I had to go in front of a, in front of the battalion commander's board of like, whether they're disenrolling you from OCS or not. And I was like, absolutely terrified. So but I'm, I'm doing great on PT because I came from altitude. So I'm like, I think I my fastest three mile there is my fat 20, 225 pound ass is doing like a 1943 mile when I was there. And, um, so I'm like, well, I'm passing PT, like I'm, I'm making it through the classes and stuff, but they just keep sending me to the disenrollment board every Friday afternoon with the battalion commander. And I go through and like, you know, why do you want to be here? And, you know, I told him like, you know, one of my friends from high school, he was killed, Lance Corporal Brian Perello. And I wanted to be a Marine because I felt like this is where I belonged. And I go outside from that last meeting on like week two of OCS. And they're like, Gunnar Sergeant Alessio was like, get the fucking van. I'm like, what? It's like, go pack your shit in your duffel and get in the fucking van. I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's it. Like, I didn't make it. So I get in this van. And keep in mind, for everyone who knows, like, what Quantico is like, it's like an hour away from, like, Reagan. It's not close, you mm -hmm. know? So <laughs> I, I'm sitting there like a retard, like, 
and I don't mean that in an offensive way. And I'm sitting there with my duffel bag in my polo shirt, and my khakis, and Gunner Sergeant Clay and Alessio are driving me all the way to the airport, not saying one fucking word. And we pull up to the gate. He pulls out his flip phone and he's like, yes, sir. Right away. He turns around. He goes, today's your fucking lucky day, Dorito. And they turn around and drive all the way back to OCS and drop me off and then reprocess me and back to OCS. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, that's such a Marine Corps thing. Like, we're going to fuck with you and just just fuck you. Like, we're just going to fuck with you mentally just because. Like, keep in mind, I didn't have a plane ticket like (laughs) or anything. Like, I really thought this was real because I'm that I was that dumb, you know, and. But it, it changed my perspective on a lot of things. And they immediately made me like the candidate company commander. They put me in like the highest billet possible because they're like, we're either going to make it or you're going to break you like right now. And I actually did better when they put me in really highly stressful situations. I did better. I learned more. Um, the prior enlisted guy started helping me out because they thought like I actually wanted to be there after watching me get my ass kicked nonstop, getting pulled aside for log PT nonstop by myself. But I, I went through it. I didn't give up. And uh, I'll never forget, we're like on our six-mile hike, and uh, Gunner Sergeant Alessio comes. That's like, I don't know, like 0300, oh, dark 30. And if any of you have hiked back there in Da Nang, you can't see dog shit back there. It's pitch black, and you're just basically touching the rucksack in front of you, hoping you're keeping up and you know where people <laughs> are. And Gunner Sergeant Alessio like, runs up right next to me. He's like, Dorito, are you Blue Falcon? And I'm like... <laughs> I'm thinking, and I'll keep in mind, I'm like not thinking, and I'm like, um, this is my favorite story. I'm not even kidding you. That's why I'm so excited. And I'm like, my favorite. I'm like, Air Force Academy. Our mascot is a blue falcon. <laughs> I go to the Air Force Academy. Just tell them what they want to hear. I gunners aren't. This candidate is a blue falcon, and everyone just goes, <laughs> what? Like, and they stop. You know, they do what? Like, they just turn around and just all of a sudden, I see all these marpats with their little light stick in their shoulder pockets. Cause that's how the instructors wear them. I just see a flurry of glow sticks <laughs> running in the dark <laughs> towards me. And this one light stick flip flying up and down. Cause he's just knife handing, retracting knife handing, retracting. He's like, are you blue Falcon? Yes. Gunner start. Are you blue Falcon? Yes. Gunner start. Like, I didn't know what they wanted me to say. And I just kept going and everyone just keeps like running past me. Like I am not involved with this guy's shit. He is completely <laughs> fucked. Next thing I know it, I'm running satellites around the company for like all eternity. So like my six mile ruck is probably like, I don't know, 20 miles or something like that. And uh, I get back to the squad bay and uh, one of the prior enlisted guys, his name is Gunnar Sergeant Snyder. So he, he was he was high up there when he went to OCS. He pulls me aside. He goes, Dorito, do you have any idea what you did? And I'm like, no, man, I, I don't know what I did wrong. I just I just answered their questions and didn't talk back and just said, I got her Just ran around in circles, did what I was told to do. He's like. You just said you were a buddy fucker for like the past four <laughs> hours running around. And, and like all the gunnery stars, like I'm pretty sure if I had a camera inside their office, they were probably laughing so hard. They're like, this kid literally thought we were talking about his stupid Air Force Academy mascot the entire time. And this guy literally ran around in circles in front of the battalion commander, in front of everyone yelling, I am a Blue Falcon for hours <laughs> on end. And they're like, he really wants to be here because he had he's an idiot. Like he had no idea what he was doing. And I literally I'm not even kidding you. When I was listening, <laughs> you tell this story. I was stuck in traffic in D.C., ironically, 
or I was going through passing Quantico exit, and I was, I probably looked like an idiot, because I was losing my whole fucking mind listening to this story, so I'm like, this fucking idiot, it's like, as soon as you said Blue Falcon, I'm like, oh no. Yeah, and keep in mind, like, so everyone who thinks, like, oh, the Air Force Academy is, like, real military, like, no, it's not. Like, we don't even know real military things there. And it's no disrespect to the Air Force Academies. That's just how the Air Force Acad- uh, the Academies are. They're just an elitist group of people who don't understand how the real military works, which is, in my opinion, why, why there's, for the most part, there are some exceptions. Why there is such a disconnect between the Academy people and our junior enlisted, right? Um, because the junior enlisted know their job. They go through actual basic training. They, they suffer through a lot more things than academy guys do in their basic training. And I can say that because I've done all of them. <laughs> I, I've done academy basic training. I've done Marine Corps officer candidate school. I've done army basic training on the enlisted side. And I, and I can tell you that out of all of them, the only thing that broke me down, built me back up and taught me what real leadership was, was Marine officer candidate school. And, you know, I, I look back at the academy and I look at all these grads who go, oh man, the academy was so hard. And it was like such an impossible four years. And I go, you guys got nothing on the people that you're leading. But they don't understand that because they never experienced it unless they were like prior service and they went into, you know, West Point, Annapolis Air Force later on. But that's mm-hmm. that's just a service disconnect thing. Right. Um, so the thing is, like, I, I come back to the academy and I, I guess for your listeners who don't really understand, like how before I went to Marine OCS and, and I'll just be if you guys are really interested in understanding the details, please listen to the, the Dark Saber podcast. I go into real details about this. But I, I was sexually assaulted when I was at the academy. I went to a party and my so-called battle buddies slash wingmen left me there. And I reported as a guy. I did an official report. Um, I did everything that I was supposed to do and I wasn't believed. And, um, you know, I was always kind of obviously, as you can tell from my Marine OCS stories, I was always kind of an antagonist at the academy with my commander. Um, we didn't get along. We didn't agree with anything. He was an Air Force guy who had been in the Air Force for 17 years and never deployed which I don't know how that's possible, but apparently it is. So, you know, when he would ask me, why do I want to be a Marine? And I'd say, well, I don't know, sir, how am I supposed to learn leadership from someone who's never been combat deployed in the entire global war on terror? You know, and I want to be a Marine. He didn't take too kindly to that. So I was always restricted. I never left the academy pretty much. I was basically like going to prison for four years. And I did some dumb shit at the academy. Don't get me wrong. Got email wars you know, clogged up people's inboxes, replying all to like, you know, stupid meme jokes and stuff within the squad, you know, but since I could never leave the Academy and this is before smartphones, I mean, you got to understand back in 2006, seven, eight, nine, I mean, everything was flip phones and no smart (laughs) anything, which is hard for people to understand. Right. So, um, you know, but I I was, I had broken up with my high school girlfriend at the time and, you know, we were looking for women to date in the local area and there was multiple dating websites and this is what cadets did and they still do it today. They just use Tinder. Right. And uh, I was talking to somebody for a couple of weeks and it never went anywhere because this person's like, well, I'm 19 and you know, we should meet and hang out and whatever else. And I'm like, well, I can never leave the Academy. So that never went anywhere. So about four months later, it's like right before I went to OCS and um, I get called into this place called the air force office of special investigations. And they call me in there and they say, did you know that the person you were talking to wasn't 18? And I go, no. How am I supposed to know that? Like, we've only spoken through email. We've never talked on the phone. We've never met. And they said, oh, so you didn't know that this person was underage. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, do I need a lawyer? Like, no, you don't need a lawyer. Like, you didn't know. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm like, okay. So then they say, but how would you like to work for us? You know, and to keep, 
keep in mind, and I didn't figure this out until later, like they knew who I was. And before I came to the academy, I was a firefighter. I was an EMT. I was on search and rescue. You know, they knew I wanted to be a Marine. They knew I wanted to have nothing to do with the Air Force anymore. And in the opinion of my lawyers and several other private investigators I've hired over the years, they agree that the Air Force Academy, Air Force Office of Special Investigations used that against me to recruit me to become an undercover informant at the Air Force Academy for sexual assault and harassment. And they knew I would have no problem reporting other Air Force cadets because I wanted to go to the Marine Corps. They knew I didn't get along with a lot of people at the Air Force Academy because I felt differently from them. And they knew I had like some high moral conscience because I worked in emergency services for several years before I even joined the Air Force Academy. So I agreed to work. Before we like, just for the listeners to clarify now, did they approach you? This was before your assault, correct? Yes, it was like just a few months beforehand. Okay. Yep. So... So chronologically, I was recruited to be an undercover informant. Then I was assaulted. Then I went to Marine Officer Cannon School. But I wanted to tell the funny story up front to keep your listeners yeah. <laughs> interested. Like, oh, look at this idiot academy guy getting smoked by the Marine Corps. That's funny. I'm going to continue listening to this podcast. So hopefully we have him wrapped in now. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, if you want really details about my assault, what had happened, uh, please listen to the Dark Saber podcast because it'll, it'll go into details. But for the sake of your podcast, it's not really the main priority because what ended up happening was, you know, I had investigated over 30 people at the academy. And at the end of them, only two of them were ever brought to court martial. And they basically walked. I mean, they got a dishonorable discharge, but then Jamil Cooks and Claxton, they went to another university, played Division I football, Alcorn State University, and were being recruited to play in the NFL back then. So they ended up with a better deal than most people, even as registered sex offenders, because there is no rule in the NCAA or the NFL that states you, you can be a registered sex offender and not be able to play. Oh, yeah. Which is insane, right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. I've never fucking understood that. Even with all the social media coverage from like other people, like irrelevant to the story, but just it's so fucking insane. Well, you know, for years, I never understood this. I'm like, look, I understand myself in the Air Force Academy didn't get along. I get that. You know, I was, I had an ego back then. I came back from Marine OCS and I'm not going to lie, man. Uh, I thought I was better than everybody at the Academy when I came back from Marine OCS. I did, something, Marine thing. I, I did something that I did something that was hard. I came back in the best shape of my life. Um, I went through an actual military school, not just an Academy that's controlled in its own world. You know what I mean? And I was very proud of what I did. And actually to be, to be honest, you know, yeah, was I, and we'll get to that. Was I discharged for so-called fraternization? Well, they gave me a fraternization article 15 because they found out I was investigating the lower classmen. And there's a stipulation in the UCMJ, which we've been fighting this for years, is that cadets can't be charged with fraternization because they are not officers and they are not lower enlisted slash NCOs. They're this weird gray area in the UCMJ that's not specified. Um, and what they should have done is they should have said, oh, you disobeyed a direct order from a general of the base, which is like, I think, Article 92. And that's how they sh should have categorized it. It was never categorized that way. And that's actually one of part of our appeals in the next board is that I was never given a proper UCMJ article charge. And therefore what they tried to charge me with back then was invalid because it didn't fall into their stipulations. Um, but we'll discuss later about 
why they did that and who the other person was involved with at the time. But it's, it's this giant rabbit hole. <laughs> um, but re- regardless, um, one, the thing that actually pushed me over on the demerits, um, like granted, I got demerits for talking back and uh, sleeping in my room and, you know, getting in an email war, which sounds incredibly dumb. And that's how dumb it is. But the one thing I wouldn't budge on was my commander and our senior enlisted person where we were out in formation one day and they were demanding that I take off my Eagle globe and anchor off my uniform. That wasn't happening. And I was in the right. It's in the uniform code for the air force that if you graduate Marine OCS, you're allowed to wear the EGA on your uniform. And I absolutely refused to let them embarrass me in front of my like on um, your air force uniform. Yep. So at the air force Academy, there, there, at the time, there was a uniform code change that if you earned your EGA you were, and graduated OCS, you were allowed to wear it on your dress uniform. Interesting. Hmm. Good to know that. Yep. And it was just over your, uh, let me look at it, right, yeah, right breast pocket. That's how it went. And at the time, keep in mind, this also, I just wore BDUs. That's how old I am, right? I'm 33. <laughs> so <laughs> BDUs are the coolest uniform anyway. But anyway, so um, – I refuse to take off my EGA, which I'm sure most Marines would absolutely positively refuse to take off their EGA. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got something insane, like a hundred confinement hours of sitting in my room because I refused to take off my EGA. And that was like the one thing I wasn't going to budge on. And I don't care who you are. You're never going to get a Marine to take off his EGA. Or I know. EGA. Like that's you it's not going to happen. Like, that is not something easy to get i mean if you earn that ega fuck yeah i'm gonna want that shit everywhere like yeah and i'm not gonna lie it was the one thing my commanders absolutely positively hated me for because it was something that i completed that they didn't and they knew there's nothing they could do about it you know what i mean like it's the one thing that they did not have control over me becoming a marine and they knew that and they were trying everything they could to take it away from me because it was like the last thing i had to stand on (laughs) at the air force academy right so but regardless so basically we get to the the final few i finished all my classes i finished all my graduation requirements i officially was notified i was cross commissioning to the marine corps 100 days from graduation so i gave about zero fucks about anything at the academy at that point i'm like i just need to make it 100 days and walk out of here three hours before graduation and my whole family's out there they tell me you're not walking and i go okay they say you're article 15 you're getting an extra 30 days of duty and you're getting late graduation I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll suck it up and I'll sit here for 30 days for my Article 15 punishment. Uh, I ended up building a gazebo by the airfield. So whoever flies at the airfield now, that gazebo was built by me, by hand. <laughs> and my name is engraved on every single board underneath that fucking gazebo. As <laughs> and and uh, so 30 days comes up and the commanding general, Lieutenant General Michael Gould, comes up to me and he says, he calls me to his office. So did you learn your lesson? Like, yes, sir. Absolutely. Ready to go to the Marine Corps. Ready to go to TBS. I'd go to the basic school right afterwards. My report date for TBS was July 10th. So it was June 26th. I only had a couple days to PCS. And he goes, all right, cool. Get out of my office. But right before I left, I said, you know, sir, if I don't make it out of here, I don't care how long it takes, but I will, I will spend the next 20 years of my life telling what happened here. And he said, get the fuck out of my office, get at Rudo, which I did. About 20 seconds later, I found out that um, I was being escorted off base by armed guards in a canine unit. And uh, that was the end of my life at the Air Force Academy. I was literally thrown out on the highway, no proper discharge process, no DD-214. They didn't even take my military ID. They just uh, sh- 
And I still had orders in the Air Force to like Mildenhall, England, because if I had stayed in the Air Force, I was still going to be a aircraft maintenance officer for the 352nd Air Commandos out of Mildenhall, England. So, I mean, honestly, I probably should have hopped on a plane and went to the UK and just said, fuck it. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently no one would have known the difference as I found out several years later. Um, because they didn't properly discharge me at all. This is not proper discharge procedures. And anyone who's been discharged out of the military know there's a process. You have to go to TAPS. Like, there's this whole thing you have to do. There's, no one gets kicked mm-hmm. out of the military in four hours. It's not a thing. Oh, yeah. Not not even convicted pedophiles, right? So, I but I didn't know any better, right? I'm 22 years old. I have no idea what's going on. I'm scared out of my mind. I'm just, yes, sir, no, ma'am, doing whatever I'm told to do. Next thing I know it, I'm sitting on my ass on I-25 with a quarter tank of gas, no money in my account because they took everything from my Article 15. And uh, when you go to the military academies outside of your home state, you get assigned a family called a sponsor family. So I called up my sponsor family. I said, hey, I have nowhere to go. Can I come to your house? And I ended up living there for two years trying to rebuild my life because now they're garnishing my paychecks, which don't exist. I ended up getting a job as a personal trainer, just trying to make some money to get by. They were garnishing my wages because now I owe five years back to the the military for my education that they won't give me. Um, and now there's a, over $300,000 bill in my credit report from the Air Force Academy saying you have to pay us back and we're still not giving you your completed degree. So I'm making, what, 400 bucks a week as a personal trainer and they're garnishing like 45% of it. Jesus. So I'm living on nothing, trying to figure out my life. No idea what to do. I take out some student loans and I go back to school and I'm like, all right, I completed OCS. All I have to do is get a bachelor's degree. And that's all I have to do to commission. I talked to the Marine liaison in Denver and he's like, all right, just go get this degree done. So I get this degree done and I finally get a copy of my DD-214. And I got a general discharge under honorable conditions, which isn't bad. It basically means you have an honorable with no benefits. Great. I go to the Marine liaison and he goes, Dorito, your DD-214 is signed by the chief of staff of the Air Force. Who the fuck did you piss off? <laughs> and like, whose DD-214 is signed by the chief of staff? No one's, right? So come to find out, chief of staff at the time was classmates with Lieutenant General Michael Gould, who is the general who discharged me. So this is where the good old boys club comes in and holding officers accountable and this whole broken system of leadership that we have in the military. Now there's this, I can't get around this hump because of corrupt leadership, the top 10%. And like, I've told this to numerous people where our military is getting the job done for the most part. There may be some disconnects in Afghanistan and Iraq, but for the most part, we're dropping bombs. The tanks are driving. We're getting people places they need to go. It's not perfect, but it's working. But 10% of the military is causing 90% of the problems. And whether it comes to sexual assault, whether it comes to uh, class A mishaps with aircraft, things like that. There is a complete disconnect with that. And we're, we're not brave enough to step up and fix it because there's cowards like Lieutenant General Michael Gould or General Norman Schwartz at the time who will not step up and do the right thing because they're careerists and it only benefits them. If they can shut Cadet Dorito up, they can go on and become a board member for Boeing or whatever else, right? Because that's what happens. You look at most academy grads, when they get out of service, they go to work for these contractors and the circle jerk of money laundering through the military and the military industrial complex continues. And these are not things I'm just saying. These are things that I can prove and things you can look up. And most people always ask me, why would the Air Force spend, now it's the 11th year, so hard to shut you up? Well, I'll tell you why. 
Because in 2015, I found a loophole to get back into the military. That was the Army National Guard. And for everyone who makes fun of the Guard, and I made fun of the Guard plenty of times, even as a cadet, I walked in there and it was kind of weird because that whole conversation I had with this E7 was, you're that guy that was on the news, right? <laughs> and, and, and to backtrack a little bit, in 2012 was the first time I went public with my case with Operation Gridiron and reporting of football players and sexual assault at the Air Force Academy and the problem with the football team and everything else. And he goes, cracks open this rule book about the Colorado Guard. And he goes, there's an exemption in here that the governor of the state can override your federal DD-214 and get back in if you want to serve. And I'm like, if I could just get back in and do my time back, then I'll be good, right? It might be 12 years in the Guard equivalent to five years active duty service, but whatever, I'm willing to do what it takes because I need this off my record because I can't move on with my life. And he goes, oh, there's three conditions. And I go, what are those conditions? He goes, well, one, you have to go in as an E4, even though at the time I had been working in the oil and gas industry. I found a new job. I hired a new attorney. Um, I was making really good money because I was I was able to pay these ridiculous attorney's fees. And I had a master's degree and MS. And he goes, you have to go in as an E4. And I'm like, Jesus, I couldn't imagine. I'm like, okay, I will serve my country. Well, what's the uh, second condition? And he goes, the second condition, Dorito. Well, you got out in 2010. I'm like, yep. He's like, well, it's 2015. I'm like, yep. He's like, well, you've had a five-year break in service. I'm like, and? He's like, you have to go back to basic training. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, motherfucker. I'm like, okay, so now I've done the Air Force Academy, Marine OCS, and now I'm going to go to 12 weeks of Army enlisted basic training. All right. Yes, sir. This is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. And then the third condition was you have to enlist into special operations. And there's only two special operations groups or special forces groups, I should say, in, in the Army National Guard. That's 19th and 20th group. So I had to go into one of those groups and I had to go be a support guy. And I had two choices, generator mechanic or rigger, which is parachutes. I'm like, well, I jumped out of planes at the academy. So this sounds like a good idea. Sign me up for parachutes. So I went to an airborne unit. Um, there's only two of them in the, in the National Guard. So it was kind of cool. So I go back through basic training and let me tell you how awkward going back through basic training at 27 years old is. Oh, because I I'm, bet. I went into boot camp old as fuck. So I fuck. I, I get it. <laughs> uh, I'm like older than everybody. The, I'm older than most of the drill instructors that they yep. call them. <laughs> yep. and, and then these guys look at my profile. They're like, okay, hold on, Dorito. Air Force Academy, another undergrad from UC Denver, a master's degree. And you're the guy on Google. If I Google your name, you come up as Air Force OSI. Like, are you working for CID? <laughs> which is criminal investigations division of the army, which is the equivalent to OSI in the army. I'm like, no, I know this sounds really weird, but I'm actually here to serve my country. They're like, you are absolutely positively fucking full of shit. You're here to fucking shit can all of us for like hazing or something. Um, so needless to say, basic training was pretty easy. They let me stay on the range, shoot guns while everyone else was getting hazed. And it was kind of a good time. So, <laughs> uh, go to airborne school, finish airborne school, go to rigor school, come back to my unit like 11 months later. So I was on active duty for 11 months. I come back and, uh, do two years of my unit, no issues. And my commander is like, you know, Dorito, you've done your time. It's time for you to go back and get your commission. I found a spot to be an Apache helicopter pilot in Utah, in the Utah Guard. And I was transferring. I quit my job. I was getting ready to go to Fort Rucker. And I get to the last check station after everything was getting processed. And they're like, we can't let you go. And I'm like, well, why is that? 
And they say, well, there are several major psychological conditions on your medical records. I'm like, what are you talking about? I serve in a special forces unit. I have a security clearance. I'm packing. I'm on life-saving equipment. None of this stuff ever came up in MEPS because keep in mind, I had to go back through MEPS, right? I had to go mm -hmm. back through that entire process and none of this stuff ever came up. And they go, yeah, just populated here. So Come where were the guys, though, that majored in a foreman? Where the fuck were they at this whole time? Like, you were doing them fucking, you were helping them to do this, the Operation Gridiron. Where the fuck were they at during this whole process? So that's the best part. People could even go on my website, adamdreeder.com, and look for it themselves. Special Agent Michael Munson wrote me a letter to have me retained and graduate. And even admitted during the proceedings, this enrollment proceedings, that I had worked for them. That I assisted them. Actually, I even have the wire because I wore a wire during one of the hearings because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen because I saw this stuff coming down the pipeline at the at that mm -hmm. point. And people can go on my Instagram on Adam Dorito and listen to the OSI wire tapes, and you can listen to Michael Munson admit, "Did I work for you? Yes. <laughs> Did I help on these investigations? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no question that I worked for OSI. So all the people say, "Oh, he's." He never worked for OSI and the Air Force has always tried to come back and say, well, he was just a witness. I'm like, yeah, a witness. That's a real convenient way of trying to get out of anything. And to be fair to those OSI agents, um, one of them got sent to Kazakhstan and the other one was sent to a missile base in the middle of nowhere. And so they were just swept away to like, oh, nope, get yep. the fuck away from here. Yep. And to be fair, although do I wish I never worked for those agents and just moved on with my life so you and I would not be having this conversation right now and I'd be flying F-35s in the Marine Corps? Absolutely. But at the time, I thought I was doing the right thing. I think they thought they were doing the right thing. And we got caught up in the gamut of money laundering with the Air Force Academy football team, which is one of the main money makers. Oh, no. So they got rid of anyone who was opposing the Air Force. And you can look this up and you can go to the, the Air Force Academy Athletic Corporation was founded two months after I was discharged by Lieutenant General Michael Gould, who was a board member for several years. Um, and people can look on the statistics, same thing on, on my Instagram. You can go on my highlights. You can click through the, the little graphs and stuff I made of all the data I've collected. The highest rates of rape and sexual assault at the Academy happened between 2008 and 2010 when I was working as an informant. After they got rid of the informant program from Operation Gridiron, they disbanded the OSI agents. They disbanded the OSI office magically rapes and sexual assaults drastically went down. Well, why'd they go down? Oh, did they go down? Did they, did they go down because they're actually going down or did they go down because they got rid of the informant program? Well, they got rid of it, the informant program. And that's why, you know, numbers are down and magically you can also correlate on the other graphs on that I have on that website or on my Instagram or whatever is the amount of wins the air force Academy football team was having during the high reporting areas was lower. But magically, after OSI was disbanded and that program was disbanded, Air Force wins for football went up, sexual assaults went down, and they were actually in the Idaho Potato Bowl in 2012 or one of those years right after the informant program was disbanded after Operation Gridiron. So this correlation, is it, does correlation equal causation? No, but I'm sure you can infer on your own what was going on. And the Air Force Academy Athletic Corporation is a way that nonprofit organizations can funnel money to the Air Force Academy football team. So you can go to their website and you can look, well, who are the donors? When well, you look at the bottoms, Lockheed Martin, USAA, Boeing, all the people that run space development programs, research at the Air Force Academy, all these things. And unfortunately, now it makes sense. Why spend a decade getting rid of Cadet Dorito? 
Well, it's easy to get rid of Cadet Dorito because there's millions of dollars on the table. And when General Gold retired, he became a board member for the Air Force Academy Athletic Corporation. Oh, God. So he's basically paying himself a six-figure salary to launder money through the Air Force Academy football team's nonprofit organization, right? And, and even today, he sits as the CEO of the Association of Graduates. And as one of my favorite generals, uh, who I, who is one of my Astro instructors likes to say, and I won't say his name, but General Michael Gould is one of the most unaccomplished CEOs in America. The only thing... <laughs> The only thing he's done is gone to the Air Force Academy. He flew some fuel orders, KC-135s, I believe. Is this the one that you talked about that's like was doing all this but never like somehow skated out of all of deployments? No, that was my squadron commander. So that would be the equivalent to company commander, I guess, in the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. So the guy I'm talking about is the, I guess, battalion commander, right? Okay, yeah. Like the the three-star general, right? So – this guy is the most underaccomplished three-star general, and he came back as a superintendent and then founded the Air Force Academy Athletic Corporation and became the CEO of the Association of Graduates. So what does he accomplish in his life business-wise? Well, absolutely nothing. His only job is to get donors to spend money and get government contractors to funnel money through a blind 5013C to Air Force Athletics. And interestingly enough, I believe it was today, the Supreme Court did rule that NCAA players can earn money now. Yes, that, I saw that. So what is that going to do to our service academies? That's actually a discussion I have with Lindsay today offline was, if you thought rapes and sexual assaults were bad before this, what's going to happen at West Point, Annapolis, the Air Force mm-hmm. Academy, now that you're telling me that service members can earn extra money legally, whether it's selling jerseys, uniforms, whatever else, at our service academies? That's going to cause a lot of problems. And this is one of the, the big things I've advocated for is actually disbanding Division One sports at all service academies and dropping them down to Division Two. There's nothing wrong with sports. You want to play sports? Awesome. It's great camaraderie. I played rugby my entire time at the academy. Loved it. But your main focus should be developing officers of character and integrity that lead our men and women into combat. It should not be playing football and earning money. And um, – I'm hoping that's one of my reforms that I want to do is I want to make sure that all service academies are dropped down to division two. So they're not, they don't have to deal with this money stuff. It causes a lot of issues. So. Now uh, with this, you're, you know, you got false, you got accused of fraternization with a subordinate. Who the mm-hmm. fuck was the subordinate that you were fraternizing with? Well, I will tell you that story right now. Cause I think this is a good time to talk about it. Currently her name is her, currently her name is captain Harriet Lackin. And I believe she is stationed. Uh, somewhere in Utah, or maybe it's the East Coast now, whatever. Look it up on the global. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I have no problem saying her name because her her court martial is public. Um, oh, nice. So, and she's still serving. Right? Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, this is something I'd like to bring attention to because I've listened to your other podcasts. There are more men that are sexually assaulted and raped in the military by year than women. They just don't talk about it. And that's just a numbers game, right? If the military is 20% women and we're hearing mostly about the women's stuff, yes, we are hearing about the women being vocal. And yes, I encourage you all to come forward if you have the evidence to prove it and bring these people to justice and send them to prison. But I will tell you, there's a lot of fuckery that goes on on the male side and it is absolutely embarrassing to talk about it. The first time my parents ever heard about my sexual assault was on my podcast this year. Oh, really? It's been a decade. And I will tell you that this podcasting stuff has been highly therapeutic for me. Mm -hmm. And this is why I've become so comfortable talking about it now is because I've realized 
if I don't talk about it, no one else is going to. And I give about zero fucks anymore. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, literally, we'll talk about it later, but I got a letter written from the secretary of defense to me and I'm an E4 in the army national guard. So, you know what? Rank doesn't fucking matter. I will tell you rank doesn't matter. And the military indoctrinates you to be afraid of rank and be intimidated by these officers and captains. And I will tell you for the most part, and you can disagree with me if you want, you're all a bunch of circle of idiots. And <laughs> I've, I've done everything. I've been a cadet. I've been a semi-officer, right? So to speak, I went to Marine OCS, went to an academy. Now I'm enlisted in the army. And I will tell you, if I punch you in the face, your nose is going to bleed red just like mine. And it's all about how you treat people. And if you aren't treating people right, I will find you and I will come after you and I will make sure that you are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, whether that's my case or anyone else that I advocate for through the Dark Saber Project. Um, and this goes back to Captain Harriet Lacken. Captain Lacken at the time, she the reason why she was accused of fraternization with me. Well, why? Well, when I was investigating her, one, I was actually trying to help her at one point. She was actually assaulted by a fellow cadet and I was actually trying to advocate to have her help. But when they, she was having sex with her sponsor dad. What? The entire time. And her sponsor dad, you know, I, I said that sponsor family you get when you're at the academy. <laughs> her sponsor dad was an E7, senior enlisted person at the Air Force Academy. So there's is a cadet having a sexual relationship with an E7 for five years because she went to the prep school and the Air Force Academy. So she was on the five-year program, not the four-year program. And you can look this up. Uh, it's McMail, M-C- uh, M yeah, M-A-H-E-L versus USA or the USA versus McMail. That's the court martial case. It's all public records, which I have no problem talking about. That's why I'm telling you. This E7 was convicted of adultery and having a sexual relationship with a cadet for five years. Jesus. And Harriet Lacken was covering it up and blaming me for it because it didn't. she didn't want them to find out about her E7 boyfriend. And the reason it came to light is because this particular E7, according to the court documents, told his wife he was getting deployed and actually got a condo off base with Harriet Lacken, Cadet Lacken at the time, after office hours, had his wife move back to Texas when he said he was getting deployed to Iraq. And then she found out about it. And then they got caught at Peterson Air Force Base together. Holy, that's not some tea. I don't know what the fuck it is. And, and keep in mind, she was a senior cadet at the time. So I was disenrolled for fraternization technically, right? Right? If we want to go on the standards of punishment. She was caught having sex with an E7 who was the, one of the senior enlisted people at the Air Force Academy. And she was not disenrolled. She was allowed to commission. And she played the victim card. Oh, poor me. This guy influenced me. This guy did this. And I'm like, that's not the case. Five years, not five minutes. You knew what you were doing. And even McMail stated in his statement during his court martial that he was intending to marry brand new second lieutenant Lacken when she graduated. So that's actual fraternization. <laughs> Right. You, I don't even know what planet people are living on where second lieutenant's marrying an E7 right out of the academy. But um, so basically, she threw me under the bus and everyone believed her because she, you know, like I said, I didn't have a lot of friends at the academy during my time for that exact reason. And she got away with it. And she is currently serving. And apparently, from what I've heard from other people in the Air Force now, is that she's had several other relationship issues that have been addressed by senior chains of command over the past five or six years she's been in the military because she graduated in 2015. Um, 
but like I said, she's a predator. She's a female predator. She is someone who targets males in the military and uses them for careers to gain. And I know she's not the only one. So I know we like to talk a lot about, especially on your show, well, there's, there's males doing a lot of wrong things and there's senior command and you are absolutely correct. There is, but there are also predatory females in the military uh, that go above and beyond to ruin the careers of many males. Oh, absolutely. Be- no, I agree with you. I a hundred percent agree with you. Cause like I said, I've said it before in an episode that, you know, at first it was like a women's issue, how the podcast was centered around, but I fully recognize like, no, I, I absolutely fucking agree. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you agree with that. And like I said, this isn't a male issue. This isn't a female issue. This is a human issue. Absolutely. We need good people serving in our military. We have peer adversaries that every day are accelerating past our local capabilities. I mean, I have current people now who doesn't even know how to fucking land nav anymore. And it drives me fucking crazy. Right. And, <laughs> and I'm one of those old guys who still goes out in his front yard and hangs out with his fucking compass and just brushes up on his map work, so to speak. Right. But um, it's an issue. And like I said, 10% of the people are causing 90% of the problems. People like Captain Lacken, people like uh, Dr. Chris Nicole Henley Price, which we'll get to now. Well, who is Dr. Chris Nicole Henley Price? Well, she's the person who signed my medical record saying I had all these psychological conditions. Who is Dr. Chris Nicole Henley Price? I have no fucking idea who she is, but she, <laughs> but she apparently knows who I am because in 2011, that's when all these medical records came up falsified even though I found out in 2017. Well, that's really weird because I was discharged from the Air Force from active duty in 2010. Why are my records when I'm a civilian, because I didn't go back into the Army until 2015, being messed with in 2011? That's weird. Well, come to find out, remember those 30 people that I was trying to convict and put into prison? Mm-hmm. Well, Jamil Cooks and Claxton were on court-martial in 2012. It is the belief of my lawyers and I that we were trying to find, they were trying to find a way to dismiss all the investigative work that myself, Agent Munson and Agent Szymanski were completing during that time in order to discredit the investigation, which is why so many people got away with sexual assault and rape at the Air Force Academy was because they got, were getting rid of the evidence. So none of my, I believe none of the investigative work that I did during Operation Gridiron went to court martial to convict all those people. That's why they basically all got away with it and covered for the football team. So that's why we believe that my records are falsified was to cover up the continuing problem with during operation great iron with the football team. And that's insane because like you, <laughs> like you're exposing the fucking truth, but because like, like I say all the time, like nobody likes bad publicity and it's so fucking mind blowing. And all these years too, that they're still going at it with you. Well, the All best. Yeah, no, you're you're right. But here's here's the thing, though, is that look, I'm from Jersey, and I, and I know probably there's some Marines from Jersey who understand this. We give zero fucks, and when we know we're right, I will drag it to the street. Tony Soprano curb stomp this until the truth comes out, <laughs> right? Because this is my honor and my reputation, and I've been asked, "Why are you fighting this for so long? You're serving in the army." The army was going to commission me, but they're like, we can't commission you until your medical records are corrected. And I've been to the board of corrections of military records six fucking times. And I won. I won my board. But you know what? Even if you win your board, who enforces the fact that they're going to correct those records? The secretary of the air force in this case. 
The military is its own legal authority. And even though I won my board, the Air Force has still refused to correct the records, which is insane. It is obviously retaliation because it's covering up the good old boys club and that entire interconnected academy ring, right? Of mm-hmm. bad people. Now, not every academy grad is bad. I have, heck, my best man at my wedding is an academy grad, right? To be fair, he also crossed commissions to the Marine Corps. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, there are a lot of great academy grads. I love the Air Force Academy. I love the mission it stands for. I love the legacy that it enhances. However, like I said, 10% of the people are causing a lot of fucking problems. And it is, it is incredible the amount of effort they have gone through to silence me. But when I started the Dark Saber Project and I just founded the Dark Saber Podcast and the Embark Podcast because I run two different podcasts now, I've found out it's not me. It's not just me. I interviewed over dozens of cadets. And even now, over a decade later, they're telling me the same stories. They're seeking mental health. They're being retaliated against. Their mental health records are being changed. They're being raped. They're being sexually assaulted. They can't speak out. And if they do, they're being retaliated against. And these are kids. I have no idea who they are. Right. And I put them on the podcast and listening to the stories is absolutely gut wrenching and makes me want to feel like I'm swallowing a golf ball and someone needs to stop cutting the damn onions in the room because I feel like I've spent hundred. to be honest, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of my own money fighting this case. And I'm very blessed. I have a decent profession that allows me to do it in the oil and gas industry. The army has been extremely supportive of me throughout this entire process has allowed me to go public despite the unit that I served with. And even then, nothing is changing. So from all your other guests you've interviewed, (laughs) good luck. I've been to the mountaintop with these people. I've been to the Secretary of Defense, and it has to go beyond them. That's Mm -hmm. how high this corruption goes. And the only thing I can encourage you to is not to support me because it's the right thing to do, but support me because we're at the level where as long as we get enough public support for Dorito versus USA and the Air Force Board of Corrections and Military Records and the Dark Saber Project, where we are going to institute legal change. I've been working with lobbyists in DC. Uh, There's rumors about different things that are going on. And I'm telling you that unless you have hundreds of thousands of dollars, you're going to go nowhere and you're going to get lost in the ether and no one's going to care. And I know that's hard to hear and I know that's hard to swallow, but that is the reality of the environment we're living in. No general, no admiral will take responsibility for the atrocities committing in our military and our service academies because it means that they're going to be held responsible and it's not going to happen. So how are we going to do this? Legislative change. We have to get the Military Justice Improvement Act passed under Gillibrand. That's the first step. It gets our foot in the door. It's not everything we want, but it's a start. Mm -hmm. Whether it's domestic violence reform, any of that stuff. However, I promise you, if people rally in the military community and they start speaking up and they start voicing their opinions and they start um, making legitimate concerns against their chain of command and documenting and providing the evidence, I promise you we will make change. And in the meantime, I'll be your play carrier. You know what I mean? Um, I've had my phone hacked by OSI. I've had my podcast files hacked in the past. Um, It's been crazy. It's things we've had to deal with in the past because uh, they're scared of me. They, They know what's coming down the pipeline. They know the evidence that I have. I have nothing to hide. I'm still proudly serving in our nation's uniform. It may not be the Marine uniform, but it's still a uniform. Um, (laughs) And there is nothing I'm not willing to do to help advocate for people. But the only thing I ask is when I advocate for you, 
just prove it to me. Look, I know there's a lot of hearsay and you know what? I can't help you. I can't help you on hearsay. Just like no one could help me with hearsay with Captain Lacken, right? All he said, she said, good luck. But if you have the evidence, you have the documents, you can prove it to me. I will 100% back you 100% of the time because that's what's going to make the change is, is that absolute convicting evidence, whether it's retaliation, whether it's falsifying your medical records, rape and sexual assault, whatever it is. I have your back. I believe you. But unfortunately, the only thing that these congressmen, the congresswomen, senators want to hear is evidence, pictures, mm-hmm. files. And that's why so you can go to adamdreary.com and look at all the documents. You can trace everything back. It's no bullshit. And if you think I'd spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in a decade of my life to make this up, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> well, Adam, I to each I mean, if it means anything, we are definitely in your it, on your side and in your corner. And that's why I wanted to bring you on here because you you're doing the damn thing and you're trying to make change. And that's so fucking important. I mean, you've been doing this battle for so fucking long and you're still putting up the fight. So Again, we're here to support you in any possible way. And like you said, if there's anybody out there, you know, it your biggest thing and your biggest tool is talking about it and bringing your story out and knowing that not only Adam, but I am here for you as well. And sometimes, you know, it is just hard. It's hard. But to make change, this is this is what we got to do. Absolutely. And if you're an academy person, West Point, Annapolis, Air Force, and you're dealing with these things, uh, please reach out to me because that's where the uh, the Dark Saber podcast is best geared towards is our service academies and the Air Force. But for everybody else, because I know you're not all academy people. <laughs> you're not all a bunch of ring knockers. Actually, probably 95% of you aren't ring knockers. Uh, I have the Embark podcast, which is under Honor Hill Tactical, who my producer, John Staley, he's a um, Iraq veteran, actually served with Chris Kyle. Uh, he runs the Honor Hill Veterans Media Group, and he's the one who gave me a platform and has been helping me produce these two shows. The Embark podcast is for everybody else, where it's positive people making a positive difference. So please check that out. And like I said, connect with me. I will help tell your story. I am an advocate for all of you, uh, not just myself, um, because the one thing I don't accept is I don't accept money. I'm not in this for the money. And I people who approach me who go, how can I sue the DOD so I can get $3 million for being raped? I'm like, we're not talking. Because this... <laughs> This isn't about monetary gain for me. This is about making real change. And mm-hmm. uh, J- John and I are actually forming a nonprofit, hopefully later this year. We're just working out the legal details because it's a lot of legal work and a lot of money on our end. Um, where we're actually going to be able to start advocating for people, travel around the country, doing more interviews for both of these podcast projects, um, and telling the story of really routing out corruption in our military and making sure it's the best, most effective fighting force against our peer adversaries, which are very much a danger today. Russia and China are no fucking joke. For you guys who are active duty right now and serving in the Guard, you you know this is a problem. And the best weapon that they have against us is watching us tear each other apart because we don't trust each other because of the inability to command to accept responsibility for rape, sexual assault, harassment, and all the other issues, domestic violence, and all the other issues that we're dealing with in the ranks. Once we heal ourselves, then we can have a better military and really implement a winning strategy. And I'm here to help implement those changes. Absolutely. And if there's ever anything that we can do, even if it's just promoting, if there's anything that we can do, um, I that's, I'm putting out my hand to you is that we're here, like I said, to support you, even if it's as little as promoting. Like if there is anything that we can possibly do to help you guys 
to make change. I mean, I'm sure you've talked to Lindsay, like I'm doing my own thing also behind the scenes, but for a different matter. Um, so if there's any, a time for anything, we're here. No, thank you so much. And I really appreciate you bringing me on and I'm here to support you guys as well. Anything you need me to help push or retweet or push on Instagram, <laughs> believe me, like I said, I, I tweeted the sec after the sec def every day. Like, what are you going to do? I'm an E4. You're going to do kick me out twice. Good luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and um, please reach out to me. You can go to adamdreer.com, darksaberproductions at gmail.com. Check out both the podcast. And if you want me to tell your story, I will also advocate for you. And uh, yeah, you should come on. You should come on the Embark podcast. Jay I would, Marie. Lo- I, I would I will, love that. <laughs> I will help tell your story on my side as well. And uh, like I said, the best thing we can do this is winning this together because I truly believe that together we can make a difference. Absolutely. And that's one of the biggest things that I preach is that unfortunately it was like with podcasts and stuff, a lot of people will think it's a competition and I'm like, no, that's not how change happens, honey. It's everybody. One of the things that I say is everybody eats at the table just because you have a podcast doesn't mean we can't collab. And even if it's the same platform, working together and getting different minds and different eyeballs on things. Absolutely. That's how change happens. So yes, I am. I look forward, you know, to doing things and watching you guys make a difference and doing what we can. And I appreciate you for taking your time, even though last time was kind of a shit show. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to come on because I know you're a busy person. But yes, I appreciate it very much. Not so fine. Uh, on my days off, I, I dedicate my days off to just podcasting. I mean, like today, <laughs> I think you're I think you're my sixth interview today. So, um, <laughs> like like I said, it, it's just about. I will make time for people that make time for me and mm-hmm. I will always advocate for those who can't advocate for themselves and I'll be your play carrier. And so will Jay Marie. Like I said, we can take the hits, we can take the rounds. And uh, like I said, <laughs> they can't do anything worse to me. I mean, going from officer to E4 and the national guard and then getting a letter from the sec def. I mean, sorry, terminal lances out there. I think I got you beat by a slight smidge. <laughs> but I'm, I'm the only E4 with an Academy ring and a saber hanging out in my room. So, <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, um, for all of our listeners, I will be putting um, his podcast, Adam's podcast is and Honor Hill have actually been on my website. Um, it's under the Veterans Podcast, Veterans Military Podcast link. Um, I've been promoting them for a while. But so if you want more information on how to get a hold of them, I will also post Adam's website as well. But like I said, I will tag everything if you are wanting to check them out, which I do highly recommend because there's a lot of good content. Um, But again, Adam, thank you so much for taking this time and I look forward to the future. (laughs) You're most welcome. And like I said, uh, the fight doesn't end with us. It ends with everybody working together and uh, I'm looking forward to see where that goes. Absolutely. And on that note, I'm Jay Marie and I got so back. Women with an f up mind is not DOD affiliated or any branch of service. We are not endorsed by any of them, even the ones that we serve in. We're just about stating our opinions, talking about the experiences, and just, how stating public records. So I just wanted to make that clear because all we're about is making people uncomfortable, ruffling as many feathers as we can, and, you know, doing the damn thing. <laughs>